we are about to, you know, uh, get into the word of God. I thank the Lord that he still is saving and delivering people that want his word. You know, it can be very discouraging uh, as churches are closing more than they're opening. Um, pastors are quitting at a high rate. Uh, things are tough out there, but regardless, uh, God is doing the work. And he's doing a work in our hearts. And sometimes that work doesn't look fruitful. Sometimes it looks like you're asking the question, God, what are you doing? <laughs> but we know that God is always at work. He gives and he takes away. But we are to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So I hope today that uh, today's sermon would encourage you and give you more insight as to what Jesus is saying in the Gospel of Luke. In chapter 6, verse 43 to 45 is what we're going to read today. So if you could turn it with me, Luke 6, 43 to 45 is our text. Luke 6, 43 to 45, starting in verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. This is the word of the Lord. Father, be glorified today. We ask, Father, that you would keep us alert. Help me to preach your word faithfully. God, to do it to your glory and not for the glory of man. Help me to do it for the benefit of man. And help us who are listening, God, be alert so that we can learn and take and be encouraged so that we, when we leave these doors, we will leave renewed, transformed, changed, empowered. Help us. We need you, every single one of us. So God, show us truth so that we can then apply properly what your word has to say. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We have asked why there is evil if there is a God, right? Ain't that the question that kind of permeates a lot of times in conversations when people here were Christian? Why is there evil? How is there evil in the world if God is good? And there have been many books written about this topic, many debates and conversations because of the evil we see in our world. But today's passage won't answer that question. We will, Lord willing, soon get into the question of why evil is in the world. But because of where we are in our text, the question for today is this. What is at the core of doing what is evil? That's probably a more tangible question for us. What is at the core of doing evil? Now, this is the question that we in the world are faced with every single day. Instead of asking why evil is in the world, we should ask, 
why man does evil, and what answer would deal with this issue. This issue that, by the way, both Christians and non-Christians see in the world. You don't have to be Christian to know that in our world you see immorality and evil. Now this is the question that we in the world are faced with every single day. The world will agree with us that evil is in fact in the world. But the debate happens when asking the question, how do we deal with it? Can we ever get a person to the point of doing good? What is at the root of our doing evil in this world? Jesus tells us in our passage today, and that's what I want to focus on today. So for those of you who are note takers, we have three points. Point number one, the good and bad tree. Verse 43 and 44, the good and bad tree. Second point, the good and evil person. First half of verse 45, the good and evil person. You can type, uh, actually write down 45a. Third point and our last, the good and evil heart. 45b, the good and evil heart. So point number one, the good and bad tree. I think it would be good for us to note that in this portion of scripture, Jesus uses the word for in verse 43. I don't know if you knew that that word is significant. And I'm taking a Greek class, so I'm, you know, I'm actually paying for this stuff now. <laughs> the Greek word for is important. It's because this Greek word, which is transliterated gar, is a conjunction word. See, I'm, I'm paying for this stuff. A conjunction is a word that functions to connect and continue the words and thoughts of the author. It keeps the flow of thought that the author means to communicate. So it could say in our text, if you look prior, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck in your brother's eye, for no good tree bears bad fruit which would remind us of asking the question, because of what? Because no good tree bears bad fruit, but why? Luke tethers the next verses to the point that was made prior in our text. You can listen to last week's sermon for more detail, but for the sake of time, let us read the passage in the latter part of last, week, last week's message in Luke 6, 40-42. If you want to turn there a little bit back, Luke 6, 40-42. Starting in verse 40, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. So Jesus said, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck in your brother's eye, for no good tree bears bad fruit. So Jesus uses the illustration of a tree that is good and how it cannot bear bad fruit. It can't do it. So the illustration is connected to the point made prior about the need to see clearly so that one can help another brother when they are in sin. And we know we need help. We need help. The last thing I need you to do is to jump on me after confessing my sin and being repentant. 
Don't guilt trip me. No, they need to know the weight of their sin. If they're confessing their sin and they're broken about it, you don't need to do the Holy Spirit's job for them. You're not the fourth person in the Trinity. So connected to these verses before our text today, Jesus wanted to make the point that we are not to judge if we are living hypocritically. That would be a lousy tree. Trying to bear good fruit, which should not happen. So Jesus also spoke in verse 40 about a disciple not being above their teacher, but everyone when fully trained should be like their teacher. This showed us the concern that Jesus had about who they were following. So the illustration of the blind man leading another blind man into the pit, remember in Luke 6, verse 39, was used to speak of the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew chapter 15. They were hypocrites who were judging hypocritically. Jesus also warned against false prophets in Matthew 7, 15 through 20. Turn there with me, Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20. Let's read that together. Matthew 7, 15 to 20. Starting in verse 15 of Matthew 7, he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. Nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So no good tree bears bad fruit. Therefore, scribes, Pharisees, and false prophets cannot bear good fruit. They can't do it. It's not in them. They were hypocrites claiming to know God while judging hypocritically and condemning others. So what is the good fruit Jesus talks about in our text? The answer is this. Fruit would be what comes out of the heart that is the result of what the person treasures. Luke 6.45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. Okay, so no good tree bears or produces bad fruit because in their hearts, they will produce what is good from what is treasured, which is obedience to Christ. Now, I said obedience because of the illustration used prior about not, not judging hypocritically. Someone obedient to Christ will judge with the proper judgment. You know why? Because if you have a healthy view of Jesus, a real view, you'll have a healthy view of yourself. See, the church culture today is so focused on us and me, meism. I, I got to start with me. No, you got to start with God, his holiness, his righteousness, and get rocked by that so that you can feel the brunt of your unrighteousness. That's how it's supposed to be. They're doing the opposite. They're talking about all the benefits First, we're to look at God first so that we can see ourselves properly, repent for the shortcomings, because none of y'all are perfect. I don't know if you knew that. 
None of y'all have it together. When you understand that God is holy and pure and you're so undeserving and you get to the place of saying, God, why am I even in a relationship with you? How did you make that possible? Then we get the gospel. The good news that he sent his only son to die for us while we were yet sinners. See, if someone has that wrong, they'll judge hypocritically. Because they're looking at everybody else's problem except their own. So a good tree that the person is showing in our text outwardly is good, honorable, right. Those are extensions of what is in their hearts. A good tree, someone who had good in their hearts given from God, is honorable and right, which should show itself in how it lives. The production of what is in the heart shows evidence of it on how it lives. This is how someone is known. You are known by what you say and do. You are known by what you say and do. I don't know if you knew that. Somehow, way, you're communicating what is in your heart. Also, by what you do, you've already been telling people about you by the way you live. That's why some people like to just stay at home. I want nobody to know me. What are you hiding? Verse 44, for each tree is known by its own fruit. What is fruit? Fruit is the production of what is in their hearts and it's evidence of how someone lives. Outward actions, what a person does is fruit. Fruit will be what comes from the heart that is a result of what the person treasures. Fruit is what is produced over some time. And fruit speaks specifically to what kind of tree it is. This is why Jesus says what he says in the second half of verse 44. He says in our text, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from a bramble bush. Each tree is known by its fruit. A fig tree produces figs. Amen? You don't go to thorn bushes to gather figs. Grapes produce grapes. You don't go to a bramble bush to reap grapes. I just learned that because I'm from the city. I don't know what a bramble bush Bramble, I can't even say it right. Bramble bush. I don't know what that is. I learned it's thorny. It has nothing to do with grapes. Why would I go there and get grapes? I know canepas trees. Like I, You don't go to a coconut tree to get canepas. Go to a canepa tree. Sounds simple, but the question is, what have you been producing? To know what kind of tree it is, look at what it produces. So first, we can know what kind of a tree it is early by its design, right? We don't have to wait till it's fully grown. There are professionals and people that can look at, some, at a tree or a bush and tell you what it is. Observation. What are you observing about other people's actions and especially your own? The second thing we could do, it takes time to see if the tree will be healthy. 
We're looking for consistency. We're looking to see if it's, if it's healthy as it grows. That takes time. Observing and seeing how someone lives takes time. The local church is essential for fruit inspection, which we are called to do with one another. That's why people don't like coming to church. I don't want people to know me. I've heard people say, well, I'm an introvert. Hello, I am too. But I come to the house of God with God's people to fellowship. And if I'm off on something, my brother or sister got to tell me about it. That's part of being the body. Judging righteously is core to our growth and testimony. Judging hypocritically shows how rotten and diseased a person is. And there's plenty of those in church. When people out there in the world say, I don't go to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites there, there's a lot in the visible church, no doubt. But that's why we need the gospel every day <laughs> to set us straight. The good and bad tree here is indicative of what is in the heart. In the heart is where one determines what they will pursue and how they will live. Jesus said later in Luke chapter 12, verse 34, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So what you treasure determines the direction of your life. It will show itself in the fruit of your life. Good treasuring is where good comes from. And evil treasuring is where bad comes from. People's treasure in their hearts determines whether they are good or evil. And it determines the trajectory of their life. In the first part of verse 45, we see Jesus explaining what he meant when speaking of a good and bad tree. In a second point, the good and evil person. In verse 45a, he says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. So Jesus first speaks of a good person. Who is a good person? <laughs> Y'all can be here all day. I believe a good person, according to what I've studied here, is a person of good moral quality, which is constant contrasted with an evil person who is morally corrupt and immoral. It is someone who's not morally corrupt and, pra and not practicing immorality. A good person will be obedient to Christ and show obedience by how they live. They just don't talk it. They're walking it. Now, good doesn't mean perfect. Good doesn't mean you have it together. Good doesn't mean you don't have an attitude. I know a lot of good folk that got a couple problems. It means a genuine desire to love God can happen even though imperfect. So being good means treasuring good, which is at the core of an obedient life. He says out of the good treasure of his heart in our text. It's out of the heart that has been given Good by God to follow and obey him that one can treasure what is good. So James 1, 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Any good from our hearts comes from God. And treasuring the good things given by God is a miracle done by God. This is what it means to be Christian. 
See, the world wants you to treasure things in the world, right? Doesn't the world pull on you to love it? Doesn't homie who looks fly try to pull on you to love him? Homegirl comes through just at the right time. Been there, done that. When I was single, I remember I was done. I repented. I was going to church. All of a sudden, homegirl just so happened to come on Sunday. But I'm trying to live right. The world pulls on you to treasure it. It had to take a miracle from God for us to have a desire to please him. To be Christian means that you are saying that I follow Christ, not just with your lips, saints, but with your life. I live a life of producing, meaning bringing forth what is in my heart, which should be good works, good things, and good fruit. A good heart is preoccupied with God. And that preoccupation with God should produce a healthy, honorable, and right way to live. And people should be able to call you just by looking at you a good tree. Are you? And when the psalmist says that we are to be trees planted by the water. So that the roots are deep and feeding off the water. So that we can bear fruit in season and out of season. God can do that, saint. No matter what season you're in. If you're in a broken season, you could be blessed. If you're in the season of sorrow, you could be joyful. If you're in a season of being rejected by everybody, even in the church, you can live a season of acceptance because God has fully accepted you in Christ. You can produce good fruit despite the circumstances. J.C. Ryle said, a holy man will endeavor to set his affections entirely on things above and to hold, uh, and to hold things on earth with a loose hand. He will not neglect the business of the life that now is, but the first place in his mind and thoughts will be given to the life to come. He will aim to live like one whose treasure is in heaven and to pass through this world like a stranger and pilgrim traveling to his home. Saints, what you value and take pleasure in will define where your heart is. And where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Do you endeavor to set your affections entirely on things above? Do you hold things on earth with a loose hand? When you wake up in the morning, do you first place your thoughts on the life to come? We shall live like those whose treasure is in heaven. It's good to wake up in the morning and to first think, God, I want to be with you today. And especially for those of us who are getting older, when we have aches and pain when we wake up, I'm reminded of my glorified body every single morning. I can't wait, Lord. Come now. Take me. I'm tired of the pain and aches. Yeah, yeah, the bills are there too. We wake up to a fallen world, and I desire to live with God where I have a glorified body that's able to sustain his glory 
Like, I can't wait to see him. I wake up and it's like, look, I'm, I'm already in pain. The bills are there. You know, I had a bad day yesterday. I got things going on today. I need to know and hope that Christ is coming for me. When you wake up in the morning, do you first place your thoughts on the life to come? Joni Erickson Tata said this. I love her ministry. She said, we pilgrims walk the tightrope between earth and heaven, feeling trapped in time. Yet with eternity beating in our hearts, our unsatisfied sense of exile is not to be solved or fixed while here on earth. Our pain and longings make sure we will never be content. But that's good, she says. She says, it is to our benefit that we do not grow comfortable in a world destined for decay. She's right. She's on a wheelchair, stuck. She has to have people take, lift her up from the bed, clean her up every single day. She, she can't move. The only thing she can move is her mouth. She believes, like we should believe, that we are not to grow comfortable in this world. We are destined for the world to come. So we live in a fallen world where evil is present and evil people do things. Verse 45b, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. So to produce means to bring something forth. So what does doing good and evil look like? Well, we actually have in this chapter two examples. The first judging hypocritically with Jesus had to confront in verse 37 where he said, judge not and you will not be judged. It is evil to judge hypocritically. This is indicative of a sinful life apart from faith in Christ, which could happen in the church. Another example in this chapter is condemning others. In verse 37, Jesus said, condemn not and you will not be condemned. It's evil to condemn others because you would assume God's role over someone's soul. We are not the ones who can make eternal calls on the souls of others. We can only call on their fruit and what they say and do in their lives currently. Good and evil being produced means that external things are being done and said that speak of where that person's heart is. In this chapter, we have the context of these particular verses in the whole counsel of God, of his word. We have examples of what good and fruit, good and bad fruit look like, which includes hypocritical judgment and condemning others. Now, Paul gives us a list of things that speak of good and evil being produced in Galatians 5. If you want to turn there with me, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Verse 19 of Galatians 5. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, Strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So these are things are descriptive of a heart that produces evil. They do these things because their heart is evil. Then in verses 22 through 24 of Galatians 5, Paul gives a list of things produced out of a spirit-filled heart, a good heart. Verse 22 of Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. So with that check, what has your life produced? Now, if I asked you, are you a Christian? You would say, yeah, right? That's probably not a good question. The question is, how have you been living? How have you been living? Have you turned away from temptation? Because Christians do that. Or have you fallen into sin? Have you committed an act of transgression? What did you do about it? Because Christians, when they commit sin, they repent, they ask God for forgiveness, and then they hold themselves accountable. That's the better question. How have you been living? Richard Baxter also said this. When your minds are in a holy, heavenly frame, your people are likely to partake of the fruits of it. Your prayers and praises and doctrine will be sweet and heavenly to them. They will likely feel when you have been much with God that which is most in your hearts is like to be most in their ears. How have you framed your way of thinking and living? Because you're living a certain way because it's in your heart too. Some people say, well, I don't know why I did that. No, you did that because you wanted to. Straight up. It's, it's, it's very simple. Man, I don't know how I jumped into that thing. You jumped into that thing because you wanted to. Don't act like you're all innocent. No. Your problems stem from your heart. You have a wicked heart. You have a heart that needs redeemed, that is being sanctified. There's still closets in your heart that God is cleaning. So it's important to frame our lives according to what God says in his word. Can others see that you have been much with God? What is in your heart? Jesus, when dealing with this issue of what the fouls a person said to Peter, Matthew 15, if we go back in verses 17 through 19, Matthew 15, 17 through 19, he says, Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person? For out of the heart come, here's a list, evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Where does this come from? From the heart. An evil heart, a sinful heart, will produce evil. And apart from believing in Christ, saint, you will produce these things. This is the world we live in. Evil was brought forth because that is at the core problem of the heart of those who do not have Christ. So at the root of good and evil, the good tree and the bad tree is the heart. The heart is the root of good and evil being produced. A Christian lives treasuring Christ, and they fight things that go against what they treasure. An unbeliever lives a life of treasuring themselves, fighting against God who calls every person to glorify him. 
That is why the best thing that could happen to an unbeliever is the breaking of their hearts. I pray for unbelievers' hearts to be broken. And if you're here today and you are a professing believer in Jesus Christ and you're practicing sin, I pray that God will break your heart. I pray that God would take away whatever it is from you that's causing you to constantly sin. That thing that you desire and want, I pray that the Lord will take it from you. Break your heart so that you can get to a place of brokenness before the Lord so that he can then put you back together again. Richard Baker says, other things may be the worst for breaking, yet a heart is never at the best till it be broken. Saints, God is after your heart, which determines your actions and your outward actions. God desires to change your heart, to change your heart. And in changing your heart, that changes everything. A good and evil heart is where good and evil come from, saints. Our last point, the good and evil heart in verses 45, in verse 45b, he says, For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Abundance meaning out of the surplus of your heart. This determines what will come out from your heart. What have you been filling your heart with? YouTube? Social media? Gossip, complaints, entertainment, ESPN, sports, I can keep going. What has been the overflow of your heart? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What has been abundant in your soul? Has it been treasuring Christ? Treasuring Christ will show itself not just in our actions to those around us, but it is also revealed in the work of God in us. John 7, 38, whoever believes in me, Jesus is saying this about himself, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What is the living water that comes from our hearts? He makes this clear in verse 39 of John 7. Now this he said about the spirit. Has the Holy Spirit been evident in your life? People should see the work of the Holy Spirit. He should be known as what is most important to us. This is what should be coming from our hearts. Out of the heart, meaning out of the inside, out of the real you. You know that part of you that you don't like other people to know? That part of you where you're afraid? So you control. I don't know if you know this, but a lot of people that are controlling people are people that are afraid of losing control. Maybe that person who's super angry and lashes out in the kitchen or lashes out on their family, maybe it stems from abuse that happened to them as a child. What's at the root? What's going on? Out of the inside, the inner self, the core of a person, they bring forth what is inside. So what kind of a heart do we have here today? Now, I want to close with Matthew 13 because it gives us examples of what a heart can look like. In closing, 
Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9, Jesus gives the parable here. And then we'll close. Starting in verse 1 of Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, but they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose and they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then Jesus explains the parable in verses 18 to 23 of Matthew 13. He starts in verse 18 to say, Hear then the parable of the sower. He begins first to talk about no understanding. In verse 19, when anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is, this is what was sown along the path. The reason for the seed being taken is because that person did not understand. A lack of understanding. Do you know? Now, knowing biblically just doesn't mean an acknowledgement of information. It's a possession of faith. Okay? Even the demons believe that God is one. They can tell you, yeah, I've I seen God. I've seen him in his glory. Satan is probably the greatest theologian. Knows more than any seminarian, any professor. God is not interested in what you know. He's in, interested if you know him. That's not having understanding. The reason why you're trading the glory of God for images made like beasts in Romans chapter 1 is because you truly don't know God. You don't. Because when you see temptation and you measure it against the glory and the beauty of Christ, I'm not trading that for this. That's why the Bible in Romans 1 says you have to suppress the truth so hard because you know God is worth it, but you want to do you. No understanding. The second thing we see in verses 20 and 21, no root. No root. Verse 20 and 21. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself. But endures for a while, and when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. There might be some of y'all that are joyful right now because you're getting rocked by a nice church, you know, you're, you're having a good time at Bible study. But what will happen when tribulation and persecution come? Jesus says, immediately they will fall away. Why? Because they have no root. Why do you think we're doing systematic theology? Why do you think we do prayer? Why do you think we do fellowship? It's to root ourselves. Because problems will come, saints. Problems will come after you. But are you rooted? Number three, no fruit. 
It is proven unfruitful. Verse 22, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. No fruit. It's choked because of the deceitfulness of riches in the world. That's why you got to be careful with your careers and your ambitions. Because you might end up with a lot of money, but a lot of money can take you from God. You could do that. Last thing, has understanding and bears fruit. I pray this is you today. In verse 23, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Good soil is what I pray for today. So out of the abundance of the heart, their mouth speaks, but which heart do we have here today? Have you understood and have you shown a life of repentance? Many have endured for a while, but when tribulation and persecution came on account of the word, immediately they fell. We bear fruit, saints, even when we are not perfect. We grow in our life because of God's grace and work in our lives. God is not asking us, listen, if he's asking us to be perfect, he says, be perfect for I am perfect. How is that even possible? Well, we rely on Jesus. He lived perfectly, didn't he? I know a lot of people throughout the year, saints, who left church, who came in and out. They would come in, be joyful, and then when problems came, they would leave. We have people that were delivered out of situations to go back to them because life isn't working out the way they planned. So they go back to what makes them feel good, which is a waste. It's a waste. There's nothing like the Lord. I've been saved, I'm 47 years old. I've been saved since I was 15 years old. And I can testify to you that in all my years, nothing has ever satisfied my soul like Christ. Ever. I've tried relationships. I tried a homegirl in New York. I would go there every weekend. She was fly. She was all that. Couldn't satisfy the soul. I tried to actually backslide. Couldn't satisfy my soul. I tried other things in the world. Could not satisfy my soul. Only God can. I found myself where Peter was in John 6, where he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. That's where I was. That's where I am. And that's where I pray you are today. Let us pray. Father, we pray and we ask, God, that you would give us a good heart today. A heart made of good soil so that when the word is planted, it would produce good. We thank you that we are no longer the diseased tree bearing diseased fruit. God, help us to bear good fruit, which only you can do. You are the living water, and you sustain us.
Help us today to live for your glory. God, I pray for saints that are wounded in sin, that just are struggling with their sin. God, would you give them courage, strength to overcome their sin? God, I pray for those who have hypocritically judged others, that they would repent and come to saving faith in you. God, I pray that we will see the log in our own eye before we try to take the speck out of somebody else. Bring us to repentance. Always have us being compassionate and merciful and gracious. Bring us to saving.